0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. I am just thrilled that you chose to spend a Sunday morning with us, specifically as we look toward wrapping up this three-week conversation, series, discussion, whatever you want to call it, called thanks. But no thanks. And I don't know about you, but this is just true about me, and I'll just give you a little glimpse into my life and personality. I love South Florida this time of year. I just feel like one of the main reasons we moved to South Florida was for days like we've been experiencing, right? The weather has turned. It's nice and cool. It's crisp. In fact, last night, Caitlin and I, Caitlin's my wife. She's an emergency room nurse. You have to hope that you don't see her today. That would be very bad for you because she's not here, right? But one of the things that we did yesterday was we went out to dinner and just kind of sat out and had some appetizers right on the water. But before that, we went to the mall, and sure enough, we were in the elevator, and these guys who were in Dolphins jerseys and shorts came into the elevator, and they looked at us, because we were kind of just dressed up. She had a sweater on, I had a blazer on, right? And they said to us, they go, Aren't you guys warm? And I was like, listen, boss, it is cold in South Florida right now, and we are looking forward to that. And I said, where are you gentlemen from? And he goes, Wisconsin. I said, that's why you're warm, or that's why you're cold, right, because you're from Wisconsin. We are not. And so I love South Florida this time of year. But one of the things that I love about us wrapping up this series called Thanks But No Thanks is we've been taking a look at a very difficult idea. We've been taking a look at a very difficult topic. We've been taking a look at something that has been really cool for each one of us to figure out how to process right where we're at in our own journey. We've been taking a look at something that Jesus called us to do in our life and what that looks like for each one of us. And it's hard and it's personal and it's deep, but we've been taking a look for the last three weeks at the idea of forgiveness. This idea that you would, to someone who's wronged you or to yourself, right? And today we're going to talk about maybe the most deep and most personal entity in this whole idea or conversation, that you would actually say, I'm not mad at you any longer. I forgive you. I'm done holding on to resentment based on what you've done to me or based on what I've done to myself. Or today, as we get more personal, I'll talk about who we're going to learn to forgive today. But to take you down memory lane, the first week we talked about forgiveness related to your family. And how then could we forgive or forgive the wrongdoings of someone who's supposed to be the closest to us, maybe even our own blood, someone who's wronged us in a way that is so personal, how could we actually learn to forgive someone in our own family? And then last week I stood up here on this stage and I gave you a mistruth, because I gave you the idea that last week's message was the most important, and it was, of this series until today. Because last week we looked at how do we actually learn to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done that has hurt other people or hurt our own self. How do we forgive ourselves in this process? And I thought that it was the most important, but I'll tell you this, after reviewing and going through this content for the better part of seven straight days and diving into it, I truly believe that today is the most important message of the series. In fact, dare we say, after our first service, we just had people who just kind of gathered around and just talked about the power, not necessarily of anything I'm about to say, but the power of understanding who God is through what we're going to talk about today. Because today we're going to talk about how we, thanks but no thanks, right, forgive God. Because the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of us are holding on to things against God. A lot of us in our own hearts, even though we don't like to admit this, or maybe we're even in church and we're sitting here and we're engaging with others, but a lot of us at some level are holding on to bitterness and anger against God. And so we ask this question, how do we forgive God? How do we actually forgive God for what he's allowed us to go through? At least that's our perception of the situation. How do we forgive God in our own heart? How do we reconcile that in our own life? And I have to tell you, just buckle up, because today is powerful, and it's deep. It's going to probably hit some of you square right between the face. I love when I get to interact with some of you during my week and downstairs in the lobby, and some of you just will ask me this question, hey, did you write that message for me today? Were you talking to me today? And I was like, well, I did not. But however, God might have been. And I think today is going to be no different. So let me present you with an idea Let me present you with something that I think is a characteristic of every human being in this room and every human being who might hear my voice, right? The following is true of all of us in life. We have an opinion of the way things should go. At the end of the day, we just, and I'm going to kind of use this stage as a dimensional platform today to talk about some of these ideas, but let's just put this thought right over here. We have an opinion of the way that things should go. We generally have an opinion of how our family should be. We generally have an opinion of how long we should live, right? We generally have an opinion of how our job should go and what our day-to-day life should like should be like. At the end of the day, the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that we, human beings, just have an opinion on the way that events should unfold in our life. That is what? Human nature. There is no human being on earth that has not had an opinion of the way that their life should end up. But the truth is, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of time, reality does not line up with our expectations, and things don't go the way that we think they should go. We get sick. Someone we love gets sick. Something doesn't pan out in our job. Something does not end up, don't miss this, the way that we think that it should go. So then, if we ask this question of ourselves and of human beings, here's the question that we want to ask. What happens when we don't get our way? What do we do? What do we act like? What do we react like when things in our life don't go in our way? Furthermore, let's take this a step further. What happens when human beings don't get their way? In general, when someone has an opinion of the way that things should go and then human beings don't get what they want, their expectations aren't met, what do we act like? Well, if you've been like me, or a lot of people I've seen, and you can see this reflected in the life of a child when they don't get their own way, right? I've worked with kids for a long time in my life. I've watched them not get their way for a long time, and the reactions are almost across the board the same, right? What happens when somebody doesn't get their way or things don't go the way that we should expect them to go? I believe this happens. A lot of times we get angry, and we go, this isn't the way I thought it should go. I had different plans. I had different expectations. And furthermore, a lot of people will allow their anger to lead to a different action. People will allow their anger when they don't get their way or the way that they think think they think things should go, they will allow that to allow them to become distant. Well, I didn't get my way. Things didn't go the way I thought that they should. Therefore, I'm out. I'm mad that I didn't get what I wanted, and I'm out, done, sayonara, see ya. You see this in relationships, you see this in careers, you see this in emotional situations in your life, but you know where we also see this? A lot of times we see this inside of the local church because one of the things that people think for whatever reason somewhere along the way this misconception happens and we, one of the things that we just kind of think is that people when things don't get their way especially if they're involved with the local church because they think being involved in a local church means that some magical mystical power is going to come over you and all of a sudden things are going to be the way that you want them to be right and when they're involved in church and then their expectations aren't met they go I'm not going anymore forget it I'm done My life's in the tank. Things aren't going the way that I thought they should go. I am out. Furthermore, I believe this. When things don't go our way, we tend to take it out on God. Wait, wait. If God is this all-powerful, all-present creator of the universe, and he's bigger than we could ever understand or imagine, why would he not allow my expectations to be met? Let me furthermore take it a step further. When things don't go our way, we tend to take it out on the local church. We tend to go, I'm out. I'm done. My life is not the way I thought it should be. I thought that God had my back. I thought that God was going to be there for me. Why am I in this predicament? Why am I unemployed? Why am I sick? Why are people that I love and care about suffering and dying? Why? I thought that God was bigger than that. And so a lot of times when we don't get our way, we become angry and then we distance ourselves from the very entity, the very being God who can actually solve every single issue in our life. Here's a point I want to make about God because a lot of us have opinions about God and a lot of us have opinions that aren't necessarily lining up with what the scripture says because we've heard people say things, we've seen things on television and in the movies. Here's just a point I want to make. God is, no missus, God is who he is. I don't know if you know this, But we talked about this as we went through our last series, right, as we looked in the book of John, that God was there since the beginning, and he'll be there in the end. He's this all-powerful, massive being, bigger than we could ever understand or imagine, yet the life of Jesus gave us an insight to who he was. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But it's this recognizing, right, that God is who he is, not who you think he should be. Wow. And you know what? A lot of times this makes us mad. At least this kind of makes me mad because it lets me see how little I actually am in comparison to the massive right creator of this amazing universe. God is who he is, not who you think he should be. Unfortunately for us, woe is us, okay? We're not God, you're not God, I'm not God, bottom line. So therefore, he is who he is, not who we think he should be. He's been there since the beginning and will be there in the end. He's been there since the creation of all things and will be there when all things fall away. That's how big he is. That's how massive he is. And a lot of us tend to blame him in our life when things don't meet up with our expectations, the way that we think that things should go. So let's put that over here, our opinion of the way that life should work out, the way that things should go. And then let's put right here in the middle, this recognizing how big and massive God is. Because one of the things that we've seen throughout our time in starting Downtown Harbor Church is that a lot of times people have very strong opinions about who God is. They have very strong opinions, but very little knowledge, very little biblical evidence for actually who this massive being is. Therefore, when things don't line up with our expectations, even though we try to recognize how massive he is, we get angry and we get distant. And one of the things that I'm going to go over here, as we've talked about here at Downtown Harbor Church, is we've asked the question, who is God? If you've been around here for any length of time, you've probably heard us say this, and you're going to hear us say it one more time, right? Who is God? And we say this, if you want to look at who God really is, you want to know who God really is, look at the life of Jesus. See, because so often our expectations right over here And then the realization of how massive God is, we still don't understand it because we're like, give me an example, who is he? And then we go, you really want to know who he is? Look at the life of Jesus, a life rooted in hope and restoration and redemption and love and all those things that represent wholesomeness and pureness and goodness in a broken world. Jesus confirmed exactly what I'm saying. In the book of John chapter five, verse 19, he said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. So there's this recognizing to go, okay, let me just try to understand life and understand the universe that we'll never fully understand. We have expectations. And that God is this massive being. It's recognizing that. And then if we want a glimpse into who he is, we come over here and we look at the life of Jesus. Okay. So we understand that. We get it. We linearly put those things in our mind and we go, what now? Thanks, Adam, for that wonderful explanation. You who's wearing a sweater in South Florida in December. By the way, this was a big lapse in judgment because I did not expect it to be 79 degrees when I woke up this morning and walked the dog. That is a side note for anyone in the room who cares about my wardrobe decisions. Thank you so much. The question is, though, right, as we continually walk through this, here's the question, right? Because that, what I just laid out, is all good, but it doesn't really answer anything related to our expectations not being met. So God's big. Confirmed through the life of Jesus. We got it. What about these questions, which are real and powerful and true? Here's a question. Okay, if that's all true, why do bad things happen to me? Why don't things go the way that I think they should go? Why does somebody I care about not flourishing like they should Why are things in my life spiraling out of control and I deal with brokenness? Why do bad things happen to me? Here's something else that I think is a very relevant question. Why does injustice occur? Have you seen it out there? It's awful. And I don't believe that it's any worse than it was thousands of years ago. I believe it's always been bad. Why does injustice occur? Why do people suffer and starve and and are thirsty and die? Why does injustice occur? Why are people allowed to be predators over other people? Why are people murderers over other people? Why does injustice occur? Hey, things aren't going the way that I think they should go. Why does this happen? Why can't God stop this from happening? Why can't this God who's so big stop all this junk from happening in our world and in our life? See how anger can creep in? (laughs) See how we can not understand all of that? And then because our anger overflows, we can become distant. Why can't he stop it? Why can't it happen? Well, I just believe something. And there may be some of you in the room who could sit around and debate this and have conversation about this, and we'll do that and have a cup of coffee and figure all this out together because I don't even know that I believe everything I say from this stage. Sometimes it just kind of rolls off my tongue, right? Right? I just believe at the very earliest onset of the creation of all things, which God the Father, this massive creator of the universe, created. I just believe that he created human beings. And I believe that in the process of him creating human beings, he did something to human beings. He gave us an ability. He gave us an ability to have a phrase that I'm gonna put up on the screen that I think is gonna help all of us understand the context for what I'm talking about. He gave us free will. Meaning, he gave every single one of us, including the earliest creations that were in human form, free will. And he said, I'm going to give you the freedom to disobey me. I'm going to give you the freedom to not do what I tell you to do. If you want to, that's up to you, right? That's how much he loved us. That he actually gave us the potential for us to make our own decisions. And he said to the earliest human beings ever created, see that tree over there? Don't touch it don't eat off there. that don't if you do that things are not going to be good for you right i still blame the woman and, and all this situation i'm just kidding i did not say that from this stage all right in 2017 as we continue down that road no but but he said go don't don't do that and that translated throughout time and they did and they broke his laws and his promises and brokenness because of that decision or at least our explanation of it entered the world And evil, and disease, and sickness, and starvation, and all these awful things that we all have to look in the face every single day entered into this broken, broken, broken world. But I just believe this. I just believe that when God created humanity, that when God created human beings, that He had a plan in mind, and the plan was not for us to be a robot. God God did not create human beings to be robots. In fact, we say this around here. You may have heard this before, but this again is so relevant and so true, and it just helps us wrap our mind around the practicality of who God is and why things don't always line up with our expectations, because we believe this, that God the Father, this massive being, controlled the creation of all things, but he does not control the actions of all things. I'm going to put that all on the screen in one time so we can all dissect it because it's, I think, a really powerful statement for us to look at. That God controlled the creation of all things, but he does not control the actions of all things. That is why there is evil in this broken world. That is why there is illness. That is why there is sickness. That is why there is sin. That is why there is murder. That is why there is starvation. That is, there, there's all these things that go into human beings who've fallen from God where evilness can just creep in and control their life. I just believe that we live in a fallen world. I believe that we live in a fallen world and the paradise that was the perfection of creation is unfortunately gone. Therefore, you wanna know why everything doesn't line up with your expectations? Because we live in a fallen and broken world, A fallen and broken society, a fallen and broken culture. Leave it to me to just bring the exciting and joyful news of the season to this stage this morning, right? But we do, we live in a fallen world. But as I said earlier, when our expectations for life aren't met, we hold on to anger and then we distance ourselves. And a lot of us That anger can just stew in our heart for a long period of time. That anger can get us down. That anger can cause distance and cause us to disengage. And I just want you to know this eventually it can lead to a bitter, bitter life. Oh boy, a bitter life. And when you hold on to bitterness against God, let me tell you what happens. You miss out on a bigger story. It's the idea that God is writing a bigger story of restoration and redemption through your life and through your actions and through your family. And when you are angry at him, when you hold on to unforgiveness against him, when you hold on to bitterness against him, you miss out on being a part of this massive, bigger story that God is writing. And I'll tell you this, I don't want to miss out on it. Because I believe that the message and hope of Jesus is the a- absolute hope for a broken world. Let me tell you something else, because a lot of us deal with bitterness toward God when things didn't go our way. Allow me to tell you about God, and I just believe this is so true. Did you know that God does not need your forgiveness? Did you know that? A lot of times we carry around bitterness and anger and we're like, I'm going to be mad at God and stick it to him. Oh, really? He needs your forgiveness? I don't think so. You definitely need his. But he's big enough that he does not need yours. And that is a wake-up call, gang. That is not something to beat anybody up. That is just harsh reality and truth. When you hold on to that unforgiveness, when you hold on to that bitterness, you are missing out. So let me just say this. and Let me sidebar. Because if I were sitting there listening, I would think to myself, is this guy just trying to make it sound easy what I'm going through? I should just pick up the pieces and just always move on without a process? No. I know that some of you are going through some really difficult stuff. I know for some of you, there's a lot of junk in your life. And for some of you, you've been hurt and you've been wronged and you are a broken person. In fact, for some of you, you're ready to say bye-bye to 2017. And you're ready to go, I cannot wait till New Year's Eve so I can fresh, I can start fresh again. I understand that a lot of your worlds, it's chaos. The pieces don't all line up together. I get it. I think it's real. I think it's true. I think it's powerful. I think it's impactful. And I think you should address your emotions properly. But I talked about Jesus right over here who walked this earth and claimed to be the risen Messiah, claimed to be the hope to a broken world. Should we say yes to inviting him into our life that we are made right with this massive creator of the universe and everything in our life, even though it's not always gonna be perfect, we'll be saved by the grace of how Jesus died on a cross for those who would say yes to him for humanity. But outside of that, oh boy, It's chaos. It's chaos. If you just look around and look at the hopelessness, look at the brokenness outside of Jesus, it is chaos. And so that's what we have to do. That's what we have to understand. That it's all about turning our hearts and life toward Him so that we can be made right with God even though we don't understand things and even though things don't line up with the way that we want them to go. So the chaos can at least be subdued and managed in our own life with the hope of what Jesus offers us. This hope is peppered throughout the scripture, talking about how God is in control of all things and that he loves his creation. In Romans eight twenty eight, it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do I understand all that? No, I don't. I don't understand day-to-day life like this, but I understand enough about God to believe that this is true and that all things are called together for good because of him. Romans 8:37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Jeremiah 29:11, it's all throughout the scripture, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. 1 Peter 5:10, in his kindness God calls you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Guys, this is all throughout the scripture. It's everywhere that God has our back. Even though things don't always go the way we want them to, he will never leave or forsake us if we say yes to him through Jesus and what he did. This is how important this is. And so many of us are sitting back stewing on bitterness and going, I'm mad at you, because that's just where we think he is. We point up, right? Okay. We go, I'm mad at you, and I'm not getting over it. And then you're missing out. So every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put one word on the screen that we think everybody can walk away from and just have a decent understanding of what we're talking about and maybe put some steps into action. Here's the word it's practical. So, what's the practical of this situation? See, we believe today's message is a lot about understanding. We believe that today's message is a lot about understanding God and who he is, right? And so as you sit back and maybe you're a note taker, maybe you're a picture taker of the screen or whatever it is, this is your moment. If you're listening online, now's the time for you to take a look at this because this is the key related to those three things right over here. Our expectations. This massive God proved who he was through Jesus. Here's... What I want you to understand. Number one, understand you're not in charge. And you know what? This one stinks because I like to be in charge, especially my own life, especially of the things that I have control over. Victim number one of OCD diagnosis, maybe you are too. Maybe you like to be in charge, you're not. There's a bigger creator of the universe out there than us. Understand that you're not in charge. Number two, understand that God and evil are not mutually exclusive. Just because one exists doesn't mean the other can exist. That's why he gave us free will. That's why he encouraged us to live, even if it was breaking his rules or laws. He said, don't do it, but I'm going to let you do it if you want to. Free will. And the last one I think is just so key because a lot of us are in a really dark place specifically related to God. Understand when you can't feel God, you faith God. Let me explain what this means. It's this idea that some of us, right where we're at, we're so low and in such a dark place. And I don't know why you're there in your life. You do. And maybe you're at odds with God right now. And you feel like he's not anywhere that I can feel. That's when you have to remember that He's there. We should have faith, even though it might be one of the most difficult things we've ever had to do. To say, God, I, I don't need to hold on to bitterness and anger toward You anymore. I understand for the first time how big and massive You are, and I know that things aren't always going to go the way I want them to go. But God, I'm not going to hold on to that against You anymore because I don't want to miss out. I've been missing out for too long. And so, lastly. Here's the practical. And I think this is so key for us to understand. Forgive God and engage. I'm going to talk about what this means in just a second related to engagement, but I want to tell you this. There's a lot of you who are sitting there right now and your heart is weighed down because you're going, God, how could this happen to me? How could you let this happen to my family? How could I deal with this? You know who's suffering because of that? It's not God. It's you. Because you're missing out on that bigger story. And if you haven't forgiven God, you are the one who is suffering. You know what suffering is? Awful. Terrible. And some of us, just being blunt right here today, we're there because things didn't go the way that we thought that they should go. I don't know if you're married in the room right now or you're in a relationship in the room or you want to be married someday. I don't know where you're at, but I'm just going to tell you a quick story as I wrap this message. Caitlin and I have been married for just over nine years, and I'm so glad that she's not here today to hear this story. She always gets nervous when I tell stories about her. I put a picture of us up a couple of weeks ago. You should have heard about what I heard when I got home. That's another story. We've been very thankful in our almost 10 years of marriage thus far to avoid any tragedy or death. It's been one of those things that we've been thankful that we haven't had to deal with that until this past September when Caitlin's mom's sister died at 51 from cancer. And whenever you deal with that for the first time, you're always like, how do we process, what do we do How do we have this conversation? Because Caitlin, my wife, is probably still to this day, being honest, because we're transparent from this stage, dealing with a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today from this stage. And shortly after the funeral, her and I were sitting on our couch and we had a conversation. And she was emotional and she said this to me. She goes, how could God take her so young? This is not fair. And I said, Our expectations weren't met. His will didn't line up with our will. I don't have all the answers to that question, but I will say this. And I just started to talk, and we started to talk, and I said, how long did you want her to live? I said, maybe you had an idea. And she goes, well, I don't know, maybe into her 80s, 90s. The truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that she had her first two grandchildren in the past 12 months. Didn't make it to either one of their first birthdays. And I looked at Caitlin and I said, in the idea that God's writing a bigger story in our life of restoration and redemption, the only thing that we can do is look back and celebrate 51 amazing years. Because the truth is, none of us know how much time we have. And we have expectations But a lot of times, quantitative isn't better than qualitative, and you know that in certain situations. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that we want someone to have to suffer and go through things earlier than they have to. Absolutely not. But I am saying that God is bigger than our one life or our one story. He's writing a bigger story, and wouldn't we just celebrate who he is and the moments that we've had as we mourn and grieve and watch those who we love suffer or watch those who are close to us suffer or suffer ourselves, wouldn't we understand who he is even more and not hold on to unforgiveness and not hold on to bitterness and not hold on to rage so that he can continue to write our bigger story regardless of when our earthly story comes to a close? This is probably the most difficult message I've ever given because it's the most hard to process and to figure out. But I believe that it's true. I believe it with all my heart. Don't hold on to bitterness and anger against God. Don't disengage with the local church. You'd be missing out. Missing out on the story that he's writing through each one of our lives. If you haven't forgiven God, you are the one who is suffering. I'm just going to pray really quick today. It's going to be a very simple prayer, but I want everybody in their hearts to just unite and just... Echo this in your heart toward God this morning. Let me pray. God, we don't know who's going through what in this room, but you do and they do. And so I just pray that they would, in their hearts, just repeat what I say and that me in my heart would just echo what I say. God, I've been dealing with stuff with you for way too long and I'm ready to lay it down this morning. I've been bitter and angry and hostile for way too loud. I'm laying it down. God, I, in my own heart, forgive you. I don't do it for you, I do it for me. Because I need to engage again. And I need to show you and this world how much I love you and about how great your love is. Write a story of restoration and redemption through my life, Jesus, this morning I pray in your name. Amen.